Welcome to Welcome to the Hallwell Manor. I'm Max. And I'm Tina. And we're here to discuss Season 4, Episode 10 of Charmed. A page from the past. I feel like we had different takes on this episode. I thought that the page plot was really strong up into, well, I mean, right near the end. Right near the end where they biff it, but... I hate this episode, and I hate everything about it. The Phoebe and Cole plot... Oh my god, what were they doing? I... We'll we'll talk about that. But the Phoebe and Cole plot is, like, fun hateable, but I hate the page plot because I feel like it's manipulative, and it doesn't earn it, and it made me cry, and... Okay, I know I'm very sensitive to media, and a lot of stuff makes me cry, but I'm mad at this for making me cry because it didn't deserve it. It didn't earn it. Hmm. Yeah, it is playing on a lot of kind of tired tropes i know that's not really the right thing to say in a story about someone's parents dying but it's not well you know what i just want to get into it i'm but i'm i it makes me angry this this plot makes me angry and and it's like i'm angry on Paige's behalf like i feel like this fictional character is being treated poorly and then i'm mad that i am you know feeling such grief over this fictional character who should not be being treated as poorly as she's being treated and there's no reason for her abuse in this episode yeah what the fuck is up with leo the this whole spiritual journey thing seems mostly so Paige will shut up about car accidents so i guess i was gonna kind of talk about this when we get to it when we get to the part where it's relevant but i'm just going to go ahead and start by telling you about this kurt vonnegut book called time quake Mm -hmm. have you heard of this book uh yes through you okay so time quake first of all it's kind of a weird book because it's very adaptation the movie where it's like i sat down to write this book and i couldn't get it to work and here are like bits and pieces of the book and also like my own personal trauma as to why i couldn't get the book to work Mm -hmm. but the plot of you know, the book that's supposed to exist, is that there is this time quake. Everyone, the the entire world just jumps back 10 years. It just resets. There's just like a blip in time, a glitch in the matrix. And every single person relives the last 10 years of their lives. But they are completely not in control. They're basically just passengers in their body, forced to relive every mistake they've made over the last 10 years. Jesus. Yeah. See, Kurt Vonnegut was like, I couldn't make it work as a story because it's horrifying. And that's basically what Leo does to Paige in this episode. Yeah, for no reason. Like, I guess it's therapeutic. No, it's it's not. That is bad therapy. If Leo was licensed, it would be revoked. And this is why he should not be doing what he's doing. Okay, so Prue is very notably not mentioned in this episode. I will stop bringing this up at a certain point. (laughs) But... You, you gotta think, because the plot of this episode, we will get into it, but the plot is basically that Leo hires a ghost to send him and Paige back in time so she can relive the death of her parents so she can get over the death of her parents. Yeah, because she's blaming herself for their deaths. Yeah. Which, this doesn't seem like the... That, that doesn't seem like the way to help her. But I'm, I'm just gonna say this, like interesting neither uh piper nor phoebe's like hey hey ghost guy you mind popping over proof for a second for us well this is i mean i know i know i'm glad that we're moving i'm not glad we're moving on from prue i like the specter that prue has throughout the rest of the series 
but I am glad that we don't have to have five minutes of just everyone being sad every episode anymore. It's good that they're getting back into the rhythm of things. Yes. So, speaking of the way things change, mm-hmm. Cole is no longer a demon. He is now a human. Okay, what is up with this scene? It's weird because Julian McMahon is sometimes one of the better actors on this show. Not this episode. Not this episode. It's very odd. I know he's a good actor in other stuff, and he has his moments in Charmed, but you can tell when he is not giving a shit. I almost feel like he read this episode and was like, you know what? I'm going to bring the energy that the writers brought to this episode to the acting in this episode. I'm just going to match their energy. Because, like, Holly Marie Combs is a good actress, and even when the scripts are bad even very bad she comes in and she's like you know what i'm just gonna i'm going to be a professional and it really feels like uh really feels like julian mcmahon was senior skipping his uh, way through this or i was gonna say quiet quitting but that's just doing your job okay you know here's what i think julian mcmahon was doing and not to not to preminate our segments from the end of the episode but I think Julian McMahon was astral projecting out of his body, out of embarrassment for the script. Yeah. So the episode opens with a pan across a bunch of unsavory types in jail, which is mostly just old white guys. I don't know why old was the logline for this jail cell, but it's a bunch of old guys and Cole in jail. Yeah. So Cole's been brought into jail because he had a busted headlight on the car that he was driving, but he also didn't have a driver's license or insurance. And he's all mad at Daryl for arresting him for that. And it's like, yeah, he kind of should have been. Well, I mean, Daryl wasn't the arresting officer. Yeah, but this isn't something that somebody should be brought down to the station for. But then Daryl goes all off on him and he's like, look, I spend basically my entire day cleaning up after the sisters mess because they're witches and they're making messes all over the city. I don't have time to actually do my job as a cop. And now you're causing problems for me. And it's like, you know what, Daryl? Fuck you. It's not, this is the magic world. You, you know about it now? Suck it up. You've done enough for the sisters to pay whatever blood debt you had with Andy, where you had to watch out for the sisters. The one he's dating isn't even alive anymore. Like, you could theoretically, and later he does, step back from all of this. This isn't really your problem. I mean, I know that he goes to the sisters sometimes to get help on cases and stuff, but, but like... But also, I mean, my point is there's inherently going to be a conflict between human law enforcement and magical forces that are secretly operating in San Francisco. I guess you can be frustrated by that, but, you know, that's that's the world you live in, Daryl. You can accept it or you can leave. Those are your two options. You, being mad being mad at the sisters because they're witches and magical shit comes up is not going to help anyone. And Cole is also complaining, even though he's just been sprung from jail, he should be complaining a lot less given the fact that I'm pretty sure he's wanted for, if not murder, then at least suspicion of murder. He is. They bring it up later in this episode. So he and Daryl are both complaining about their lives at the same time. Daryl's all, you know, boo-hoo, I'm a cop and I'm trying to do my cop job and also help out with the sister's dumb magic shit. And Cole's like... I wish I used to be a giant, I used to be a giant demon and I could rip people in half with my bare hands and I could teleport wherever I wanted and now I can't do any of that and I just feel so and they both kind of I think the words useless they both say 
the last part of their rants and it's the same word at the same time and i'm like okay aladdin and jasmine like are they gonna start dating what's with this weird rom-com because leo is out of the episode or out of being able to interact with everybody else because he's in the past with Paige this episode and cole is going to be possessed by a ghost so the buddy cop dynamic has to come with daryl instead of with leo and i guess buddy cop stuff is kind of i was gonna say inherently homoerotic but yes, it's it's 100 it's i know i've brought this up possibly on this podcast before but i know it's just the thing that hollywood only knows how to write one kind of relationship and whether it's platonic or romantic depends basically entirely on the genre of movie i don't think this is just hollywood though i mean this is way outside of the scope of our podcast, but I also think there's a problem that in Western culture, I, I don't know if it's all of Western culture, if it's just America, but it's definitely America. I think in America, in, in you know, our modern era, there's a real problem with straight men not having access to kind of non-sexual intimacy. Mm. And I think that's reflected in any friendship being portrayed in media being portrayed as sexual because that's just anything else is unthinkable okay there's a whole bill lawrence thing i'm not gonna go off on here but yeah i mean i'm not anti-shipping i'm oh please no i was i was actually gonna put like a little caveat underneath that where i was like Azrafail and Crowley are absolutely boyfriends with each other. It's fine to ship that. I think it's mostly, like, there are well-written friendships in TV and movies, but I feel like the default way relationships of basically any kind that isn't paternal, the way those relationships are written is usually in a romantic framework. Yeah, well, you know, and I said this was an issue with straight men, but you know where's a weird place that you'll see it? Where? brother-sister relationships when they're written by only children hmm. like look at ross and monica on friends it's weird sometimes <laughs> sometimes it's very weird which is probably also partly because you have two people who are not actually related to each other who are very close to each other because of the proximity that they work like constantly every day with each other and the kind of openness they have to have with each other as actors and then, you know, there's just that that closeness that does not have a familial tinge and it just comes through. But yeah, brothers and sisters in uh, in media, it's like, ooh, ooh. I, I'm sure, I'm certain that that's why they did that episode of Friends where there was the brother and sister who were way too close. Because they were aware of how they had made Ross and Monica just way too close. This is not relevant at all to this episode of Charmed. Do we even see Daryl in the rest of this episode? Yes, we do. Oh. Because he's the one who's trying to chase after possessed Phoebe and... Right. God, I forgot he was part of that plot. I actually have a whole rant later about how mad he gets at Piper for trying to cover up evidence because he's a cop. I'm sorry, Daryl. I don't... Wait, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry to cut you off. I just want to say I don't know why I used those vocal air quotes. She is trying to cover up evidence. He is a cop, but whatever. <laughs> sorry, Daryl. I, I I feel like a large part of your job is covering up stuff from like I know that he has to do this every time because he needs to remind the audience in case someone is new that he is in fact a cop. He says his catchphrase, 
I'm a cop in this. But, like, not to go back to Andy, but I'm pretty sure you had to do some finagling with the whole Andy thing. Oh, God. Anyway, weirdly, Piper is the one who comes to pick up Cole. I guess it's his car. Piper Piper and Paige. Yeah, I guess it's Piper's car that he borrowed. And then she's all mad at him. She's like, that is the first and last time that you borrow my car. And it's like... You are grounded, young man. It's like, bitch, the reason he got pulled over is because of a broken headlight. That is an equipment issue. That is on you. You are the one who put him at risk by putting this man who shouldn't exist, like he doesn't have a human identity, in danger by putting him in a car that was going to get pulled over. I wish this show remembered that San Francisco has really good public transit. I mean, I know that's not, I know that's not the issue here at all. Like, this was just an excuse for, you know, Cole has human troubles now because he's a human guy and he doesn't know how to human humanly. Uh-huh. But, uh, <laughs> you could have just taken the, you could have just taken the streetcars. Yeah, yeah. So, also we get a little bit of page needling Cole, which it makes sense that Piper has a more antagonistic relationship with Cole, given the fact that, you know, Cole was actively trying to murder her the first time they met. But Paige, as we have mentioned before, is stepping into the not trusting Cole shoes that Prue left behind when Shax blew her through that wall. Well, that makes sense because she knows him the least, I think. Yeah, she didn't get to see the whole love story. But she's needling Cole about being the most useless member of the family, which, uh... We're going to see a lot more of. Not as... cool. Not cool. Yeah. Anyway, then there's a cool. <laughs> I guess she likes lording it over someone that she has more power than now. I guess. It's not cool. Although I guess it is very Hallowell of her. We will talk about Paige's weird thing with torture later in this show. Because the show really goes heavy into Paige torturing people. And it's never really addressed. Just the lording power over someone who doesn't have any made me think of that. Yeah, that makes sense. So, we see a car accident. Yeah, as they're leaving the police station, a car, like, goes off one of those jumps that they have in San Francisco, does a triple loop, and then bursts into flames. Yeah, I guess it was carrying some of the forbidden cargo from Farscape. Okay, I, I'm I'm going to talk about it more when, uh, when we get to Paige's parents' death later in this episode, but... Why does every car immediately burst into flames whenever anything happens in this show? I appreciate that Cole actually shouts, it's going to explode, so that we know that there's a reason for them to freak out since cars don't usually explode just from being in car accidents. Also, this is definitely putting me in the mind of this segment in soul music from the Discworld book by Terry Pratchett. With the cart accident. Yes, with the cart accident where it talks about how in media, it's it's a trope. There has to be, like, the burning wheel that rolls away. Incidentally, that sequence is when death takes Susan back in time to witness her parents' death. <sighs> Which is also the plot of this episode. God, Susan must really hate carriages. <laughs> Do, she doesn't really end up with the guy from that book, does she? I mean, it really seems like they're going to no. start dating at the end of that, but then he just doesn't show up in any of her later books. Nope, Susan's partner is Susan. 
So, yeah, the car is going to explode. Also, I'm trying to figure out there's a decal on the back of the car, and I feel like it's off-brand Calvin. Oh, God. What's he peeing on? Well, that's why it's off-brand. He's not peeing on anything. Which, although the peeing Calvin is itself off-brand. Yes, Bill Waterston did not approve those. Those are super illegal, and if you uh, bought one, you're a bad person. Wow, going hard. Bill Waterston is very, very, very against the commercialization of artists work in general but very specifically his work i know there's a lot of vultures waiting for him to die and he's aware of that it's it really sucks that one of the cultural impacts left by this guy whose whole brand was about avoiding crass commercialization is people legitimately stealing his work and repurposing it for their own purposes ironically the calvin peen on stuff thing probably was able to get as much traction as it did because he didn't commercialize his work because he didn't make it available for merchandising there was nobody who had the motivation to go out and sue these people who were making the knockoff stickers yeah yeah you know what's a great documentary that has nothing to do with what we're talking about is that dear mr waterson which is just a documentary about bill waterson it's really good did the person go into the woods to try to find him? Because I know he went, yes. you know, into the woods sometime back, emerging only to occasionally do guest trips for Pearls Before Swine. Yes, he did. <laughs> he didn't find him. Spoilers. But but yes, yes, he did. I mean, I appreciate, he, you know, Carl Hyacin talks the talk about, you know, oh, I'm the governor. I'm going to go into the wilderness and emerge only to murder people and have sex with sexy secondary characters. Bill Waterston went and lived that life charmed so the car's gonna explode piper freezes it and hey she... look piper remembered she has a freezing power it's true she and cole run up to the car to pull the passengers out of it and the door's stuck they're like Paige, come help us and Paige is frozen because of her trauma not because of magic right right but it doesn't matter they cole and, and piper get the woman out of the car i was supposed to say aren't you not supposed to move people out of accidents but i guess if it's the gonna car's explode. gonna explode I literally just took a CPR class on Thursday, and yes, the car is going to explode is one of the exceptions. <laughs> in general, though, you shouldn't move a person unless you need to move them for safety. And if you need to move them for safety, you should um, move them alongst their spine line. Mm-hmm. like so that, that makes sense. Yeah. So Piper tosses the woman's limp body onto the ground and turns to Paige, and she's like, what the fuck happened to you back there? And then we get this really artsy image of Paige like looking at the fire and like the you know the fire reflection on her face yeah they bring it up later in the episode they're like what she can she can face demons down like nothing but she freezes when in the face of a fire and I'm like yeah those are probably different instincts right wait she can fight demons but she's traumatized by things that happened to her in her past like to be fair they don't know about the car accident yet although did they just do no research on page that had to be one of the first things that comes up when you alta vista her or whatever this is pre-google right yeah they, they... Uh, no i think google existed but yeah well they know her parents are dead i don't feel like it takes yeah 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 the fact that she lost both adopted parents does seem to indicate something like I mean, car crash would be the thing you would assume because people don't usually get, like, simultaneous cancer. I mean, I guess that can happen, but... Like, if two people die at the same time, you probably would assume car accident. Yeah, so 
We go to credits, and when we come back, Cole is storming out of the house, and Phoebe's like, Cole, where are you going? Cole's like, out. I'm going out. I think when will you be back? Later. Yeah, Cole's throwing a big old temper tantrum. I guess he heard that this episode was going to feature teenagers, so. Yeah, yeah. So, it's weird I think of this as one of Phoebe's iconic outfits, even though I don't really have a reason for that. It just, it feels like a real Phoebe thing, even though there's nothing super ridiculous about it. She's got kind of a choker-y beaded thing. I mean, that choker is very, very intense. I mean, I would say that choker is almost a collar. Mm. I mean, it's it's a choker, but it's also basically a day collar, which is what people who, like, do 24-7 BDSM will wear when they're, like, out and about in the world so that it's not an obvious collar. Mm. I'm just saying that is not her relationship with Cole. No. she ha- And she has her hair up in a ponytail, and she has this kind of, what would you call that pattern? It's like, not tie-dye, but... So, it, I don't know, it was kind of a weirdly popular thing um, in the early 2000s where it's like, it's almost like you splash several patterns on it. I see, there's my, like, my there's like laundry a little... ran, but in like a sexy on purpose way. Yeah, there's like, it's scattered colors and there's like a little patch, there's even like a little patch of leopard print at one point. Like, yeah. it's just, yeah, and it's a peasant blouse. So, I mean, the whole thing is just very, of. Uh, I have other time freezes, but this this whole outfit could be a time freeze. And I try to not time freeze outfits, because that doesn't seem fair, but, whew, this outfit. Yeah. I feel like she's a pink version of this shirt that we've seen before. I think you're right, yeah. possibly we'll see in the future, because I've been rewatching a lot of the later seasons. But, I don't know, this just strikes me as an iconic Phoebe outfit, and I can't really put my finger on well, it's, why. It's, a very, it's very Phoebe-looking, definitely. So Cole storms out of the house because I guess I can't do anything right. And Phoebe's like, don't buy another gun. Remember how you bought a gun last time? Don't do that. She does say that to him. He's upset because he used to be a demon and now he can't do anything. No one understands me. So we usually watch episodes together, but for time reasons, this week we watched episodes apart. And I didn't want to get too into anything before we started recording, but I did send you a single text about this scene. Phoebe walks into the room and she says, am I the biggest bitch in the universe or what? And I I texted Max, me, looking around the scene and seeing Piper, Phoebe, you're not even the biggest bitch in that kitchen. Uh, that might be too mean. Eh. I mean, they're... Phoebe and Piper have different kinds of very strong personalities, is how I'm going to choose to phrase this. Oh, I like that. I like that. We've already done an extensive time freeze about this, so I'm just going to say real fast, there is a pretty sizable American flag on the refrigerator now. Mm, Yeah. So... Piper's like, I don't care about your relationship with Cole. We need to talk about the fact that Paige flipped out over a stupid little car accident. And Leo's like, well, I probably just activated a different part of her brain. Let's talk about, uh, let's talk about Phoebe. Hey, Phoebe, I bet that you're feeling guilty because, you know, Cole wants to marry you. And that's why he's throwing a temper tantrum like a big baby. And you're not the marrying type, which since when is she not the marrying type? I mean, she had a lot of sex in season one, but... I, she was like freshly 21 at that point. I, I seriously have no answers. Although 
Piper keeps pressing about needing to figure out what's going on with Paige, and finally Leo's like, all right, this was said to me in confidence, but I don't want you to be out there in the field and be in danger because you don't know, but Paige's parents were killed in a car accident, a thing you never could have possibly guessed. Yeah, yeah. I like... I like that Leo has different one-on-one relationships with the different sisters and that he exists as kind of a guidance counselor, someone you can talk to outside of the fa- outside of the family dynamic. I think that's a good healthy thing for all of the sisters to have, but much like actual guidance counselors, he will rat at the drop of a hat. Okay, I was going to say it's a healthy thing for the sisters to have somebody they can talk to like that. But We've discussed before that Leo should not be responsible for anyone other than the sisters. He does not have time for that. Additionally, he should not be forced to be counseling his sisters-in-law. That is a huge conflict of interest. Either have Leo not be their white lighter, and then he can just do all of the emotional relationship, husband, friend of the family stuff. Or he can be their white lighter and you get them a separate therapist. Well, it's just, you can't tell Leo something in confidence as as Phoebe or Paige and expect him to not tell Piper he's married to Piper. Hmm. It's a terrible system, but I guess, I don't know why I'm acting surprised that it's a uh, terrible the, system. The elders came up with a terrible system. Not, not are the elders. Uh Anyway, the sisters are super selfish. They show up at Paige's work and they're like, Paige, we need to talk to you right now. And she's like, I'm at work. We need to yell at you for having dead parents. Like even, there's even a VIP extra here who is just a woman who's in the office who's looking at the sisters like, what the fuck? This is a place of business and our business is social services. You need to not be doing this. So... They chase after Paige, and they're like, Paige, you need to know that we're here for you, and clearly you were deeply traumatized by your parents dying, and we just want you to know that we get it. Having dead parents sucks. By the way, do you know that our mom, our mom who you didn't know but who we knew, died when we were, like, six? Kind of kind of throws into relief the whole, oh, my parents died when I was 16 thing, huh? Because our mom died when we were actual children. And you were basically almost an adult. So they don't. They don't actually say that. But they're like, you can talk to us. We know what it's like. Everyone who raised us is dead. So Cole has gone down to the police station to try to get Daryl to, like, let him tag along and fight bad guys with him. And when Daryl's like, no, and he grabs him by the arm and tries to physically toss him out of the police station. And then Cole grabs Daryl and drags him into an office and slams the door. This is like, okay, this is the only part of the episode I like. Daryl's like, are you going to fight me? And Cole's like, no, I'm just going to manhandle you until you let me punch bad guys because that's all I know how to do. Okay, this is a weird running thing with Cole and Daryl that doesn't get a ton of attention. Where there are several points in this show where Cole is enthusiastic about working with Daryl. Like when he was a DA, uh, earlier when he was trying to be a reformed demon, now that he's human. It'll come back later when he's trying to get in Phoebe's good graces after the whole king of hell I guess, super devil thing. After he comes back from super hell as the mega ultra devil. Mm -hmm. 
like there's an episode where he tries to team up with daryl to show the sisters that he can still be good cole is constantly trying to team up with daryl and uh i mentioned before i don't have anything against shipping i i am all in on shipping for some reason charmed never delivers on this front even i feel like this is the closest we get this and leo's weird thing where he's constantly dog hanging onto uh cole Mm -hmm. but like this show isn't really conducive to shipping i mean you say that but they're they're talking they're they're shouting each other with faces very close together yeah like this should be this should be i should be seeing a ton of gift sets on tumblr about this but i mean it's probably because tumblr has some racism issues when it comes to shipping but Mm -hmm. Interesting. I also think it's because this show's probably a little too old for Tumblr. I don't know. There's a lot of gift sets. A lot of people. Buffy doesn't count. Buffy's timeless. A lot of people were super into Chris. Like. Oh really? He's a bad actor, but he's a pretty boy. I guess. I like Chris. Yeah, I don't know why I acted surprised. Of course, of course, Chris. No, I'm surprised because it doesn't seem like Tumblr was around when Chris was, you know, first appearing on Charmed. But yes, he's definitely a Tumblr boy. I just. It's weird that Charmed never really had the shipping community, to my knowledge, that other shows. Even shows, like, I know it's primarily focused on sisters, but Supernatural is primarily focused on brothers, and look at that shit show. Anyway, Daryl's boss comes in, and it's like, why are you in my office? This is a place of business! (laughs) Big episode for that, too, I guess. So, back at the manor, the sisters are interrogating Paige about why she's so sad about her dead parents, and she tells them basically that not only did her parents die in a car accident, but also that the car accident was all her fault, because she was being a terrible, rebellious teenager, and fighting with her parents, and she was so mad at them, she said the thing that she knew would be most hurtful to them, which is you're not my real parents, because she's adopted, even though she didn't feel that way. And her dad was so mad at her that he was distracted and didn't see the car that came out of nowhere and crashed into them. And her parents, I guess, died instantly. She was somehow... Thrown from the car. Yeah, she doesn't say thrown from the car, though. It's just, like, next thing she knew, she was out of the car. And she doesn't have any idea how. Really, Paige? You still have no idea? (laughs) Nothing? No... Nothing, no, no thought about what might have happened. I like the idea that, uh, that Paige said the, you know, you're not my real parents thing. And her dad was immediately like, that's it. I'm driving right into oncoming traffic. I do. I do think it's interesting that she emphasized that her dad was so angry that he was distracted and didn't see the car that swerved into his lane. Like, even though she blames herself, her telling of the story makes it clear that her father was not being a negligent driver. Why doesn't anyone point that out? I mean, this whole episode is supposed to be about making Paige feel better about her dead parents, her parents who died, her dead parents who are now dead. But no one, and and she feels guilty about it, but no one's like, no, car accidents are how a lot of people die. Like, Okay, so I said this off mic before we started recording, but I completely made up a thing that doesn't happen in this episode. I totally remembered that the reason that Paige's parents died, we discover in this episode, except we don't, and it's not true. I made it up in my head. But I remembered learning that the reason Paige's parents died was because a demon was testing Paige, was trying to make Paige orb. And that's not what happened, but for whatever reason, that's what I thought was coming. I mean, 
that might be a thing in like later in time. There are a lot of one episode chosen one narratives in this show uh-huh. or stories. So you might also be thinking about the scene with Magneto from uh, X Men First Class. I am not, but I see where you. I see where you think that. Yes, the bit where uh, Sebastian Shaw has, is going to shoot his uh, his mom unless he demonstrates his powers. Yeah, I remember. I remember what you mean. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, uh, so I have to say though, in this scene where Paige is kind of recounting this story, uh, Rose McGowan is giving Holly Marie Combs a run for her money. Yeah. Rose McGowan's acting is really good. This episode, it's sad that it's undercut by the last bit, but she is, she's really carrying this episode. I know that we keep saying that we're going to do our one-off podcast about Brave and we totally are. And Things like this episode really makes me need to do it because... Brave the Rose McGowan book, not the Pixar movie. Yes, thank you. Because having read Rose McGowan's memoir before, you know, this particular rewatch, really on this rewatch is informing my view of of her, of, of how of what she's bringing to this character. Yeah, this, this whole thing has a whole other dimension when you know about her, uh, you know, what Rose McGowan had lived through at this point. Yeah, exactly. And... and it's really I, I couldn't I couldn't help but be thinking about Rose McGowan's own relationship with her parents where she was essentially parentified at the age of like four and then compared to what's going on here. So anyway. Leo has the dumbest idea <laughs> ever. I mean I am so annoyed. I'm so annoyed, Max. I'm so annoyed. Okay, so Leo summons a malevolent spirit and i'm sorry malevolent does not mean a grumpy ghost malevolent spirit and grumpy ghost are two very different things leo is basically going to summon a poltergeist an evil ghost right an evil spirit who is also the ghost of christmas past because it turns out that dickens wasn't writing fiction he had actually experienced the ghost of christmas past when he decided to write a Christmas Carol. Okay, just, this is a throwaway line. This line happens once. Like, the whole point of this line, I feel like, is that in the writer's room, somebody asked the writer, they were like, um, isn't this kind of ghost of Christmas past? And they were like, fuck it, maybe Dickens knew about it, right? I totally throwaway line, does not deserve me thinking about it too much, but here we are. It's what we do. It's what you're here for. Okay, okay. So, when Scrooge is... Okay, so first of all, Scrooge is visited by multiple ghosts. Four. Yes. Four, four ghosts. Yes, including Marley, right? Five if you count uh, the... If you're uh, watching the Muppet Christmas Carol. <laughs> Where Marley's actually Statler and Waldorf. Yes. Yes. Okay. And the whole point of his ghostly visitations is that capitalism is bad, a thing that Dickens actually wrote about quite a bit, okay? So my question is, what in Dickens's life do you think caused him to be visited by a ghost who made him go back in time? Because you know what it wasn't? It didn't make him go back in time and learn not to be miserly because that wasn't his story. Dickens isn't like, Scrooge is not a Dickens self-insert. That makes no sense. What is happening? Maybe he was super into capitalism before the ghost visited him. 
these are the following ways that capitalism has disenfranchised you and those orphans that are running around the streets of London and whatever the hell year this is. Okay, but, like, and I just, I, I'm, I hate it. I hate it. I hate everything about it. Anyway, Leo. Wow, you had a lot of thoughts about that throwaway line. I really did. Anyway, then Paige is like, wait. Doesn't malevolent mean bad? Shouldn't we maybe not summon malevolent spirits? And Leo's like, eh, it's fine. And then Paige is like, wait, what about, what about personal gain? I feel like summoning an evil ghost to take me back in time to deal with my personal shit is personal gain. And Leo's like, no, 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 it's not personal gain. It's just using magic to help you deal with your personal issues leo you can't just state what the gain is and then say it's not personal gain because you didn't say the word gain what even are the personal gain rules i hate this episode max i'm gonna say to be fair but it's really not to be fair to leo a lot of his role is just explaining why things aren't breaking rules like the weird thing where they're like can't we just call the cleaners in to fix whatever the mess was this week and he's like no, you burned that bridge. Or when they're like, wait, wasn't there a book in the... Wasn't there a spell in the Book of Shadows to travel back in time? Uh, no, that was a one-time thing. That was a one-use spell, and you used it, and now you can never use it again. <laughs> like, a lot of Leo's roles just being like, nah, nah. I, I'm a man, I have authority, I can just declare, nah. Anyway, Leo is trying to summon clyde by the way the ghost of christmas past name is clyde yeah there's a lot of jokes about that which ghosts are just dead people the ghost that piper banged in season one's name was mark like so if there's a ghost of christmas past which is what this guy is i mean he's not officially the ghost of christmas past the yes ghost he of, is the ghost of christmas past was based on him he's just some asshole time travel ghost okay but is he also the ghost of christmas future was that ghost based on him too, or is that a different ghost that can do that? I, I really think you're focusing too much on the Charles Dickens thing. This guy's just a ghost who brings people back in time to teach them lessons about stuff. And he owes Leo- Wait, 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 I'm sorry. There's like an important thing that you haven't brought up. He's a ghost that brings people back in time to teach them lessons for hire right this is just this is just a skill he has that he's decided to monetize he was like you know what i figured out how to travel back in time maybe people should pay me to take their enemies back in time okay so leo summons him because they're like do you want us to do the you know the go-to ghost summoning spell for this show or and leo's like no no that won't work he he'll resist it you can resist summoning like, he'll ignore it apparently you can ignore summoning but what he can't ignore is being insulted. Hey, Clyde, your mother smells and you've got weird dick cheese. Your father was a hamster and your mother smelled of elderberries. And then he shows up. Okay, he shows up. They do not bother with a ghost effect. No, not at all. And he gets mad at Leo. He's like, Leo, don't bug me. I was with a client. We went back to Woodstock, which means that you can pay him to take your enemies back in time, which presumably is what happened with Dickens and what he portrays as happening with Scrooge. But also, he'll, like, just go watch Jimi Hendrix with you if you want, if you're willing to pay for it. Maybe that person had a bad acid trip and the enemy is, like, go have him re-experience that. No, no, I think that the person, he said he was with a client. Mm. I think 
And and since we know that the way it works with Paige is that she goes back to her own body, I think that this person, like, traveled back to their own body because they were at Woodstock and they were like, you know what would be fun? Let's do Woodstock again. Hey, Clyde, let's do Woodstock again. What is happening? Anyway, Leo says that Clyde owes him. Yes, because during one of his sessions, he accidentally dropped a client off a cliff and needed Leo to scoop him into a bucket and then heal the bucket. Yeah, 32 broken bones. Yeah, someone was basically goo and Leo de-gooified them after Clyde accidentally time-traveled him off a cliff. Here's my question. Yeah? Why would Clyde care? He specifically does not care what happens to people when they go back in time. Why Why does he owe Leo a favor? I like how Paige is also like, shouldn't we not go back in time? Wouldn't that risk changing things and, you know, throwing off the timeline? And Leo's like, don't worry about it. Magic door. Go through the door. Shut up. By the way, I'm going to be with Paige this week, so try not to get thrown through walls. Yeah, right? He, Leo will not hear their call because mm. he'll be in the past. And before Clyde leaves, because he's, you know, all about that hustle. Also, apparently time moves at the same rate in the past. I know this is a thing. I'm actually okay with that. I'm actually okay with that. That is, that is a thing that is a specific type of time travel rule, right? So if Leo is gone for two days, that means he can't come back until two days hence. That's, that's fine. I'm fine with that. So... Clyde is always hustling. He asks Piper and Phoebe if they want to go anywhere in the past. He'll, like, you know, cut him a deal. And Piper's like, so can you take me back in time to bang Marlon Brando when he was, you know, super hot? Streetcar named Desire. And he's like, yeah, no. It it has to be your life specific. And she's like, then I, I, no. I'm not interested in seeing any dead relatives of mine. I certainly can't learn anything from the past. Anyway, two ghosts manage to hitch a ride with Clyde. We see their little ghost bodies. And one of their ghost bodies possesses Phoebe. Okay. Who immediately begins speaking with a southern accent, speaking of streetcar named Desire. Okay, I'm going to give... I'm going to give Alyssa Milano a compliment sandwich. Okay? Okay, okay. Go for it. Okay, so the compliment... I appreciate that she did not default to baby voice. I appreciate that she tried something different. I appreciate that she is putting forth the effort to do a Southern accent. Now for the middle of that sandwich, oh my God, this is the worst. This is the worst Southern accent ever. My God. It's like Dick Van Dyke's British accent, but America. But also why? Why did she give this character a Southern accent? Well, I mean, it's in the script. Like, people refer to the character having a southern accent. So it's not... It wasn't Alyssa Milano's choice. It was in the script. But but why? I want to point out that that compliment sandwich was an open face sandwich. I was sandwich. just going to ask if we had another piece of bread there. Nope. Open face sandwich. I appreciate that they tried something different. End of list of nice things to say. So... Also, Piper should have immediately hit her in the face with a frying pan as soon as she said something in an accent that was not just Alyssa Milano's voice. Someone puts on an accent, you hit them with a frying pan. Especially when they're saying weird things like, have I always been skinny or did I have to work out to stay skinny? Like, am I going to stay skinny if I eat because I have good metabolism or is this a gym body? 
I was going to say something about shouldn't the charmed ones be harder to possess, but as we know from this show, no, they're ridiculously <laughs> easy, especially Phoebe. So you need to be on high alert for this. God damn it. Piper, you were possessed. I mean, I know everyone's been possessed all the time in this show, but like you should have an ear out for whenever anything is weird. So now I'm trying to think of like what what you would ask me or vice versa, what I would ask you to know that we were possessed. Like what's our possession safe words? I mean, we shouldn't really say it on the air because then the people who are going to possess us could go back and listen to our podcast and figure out our possession safe words. But mm. I mean, we probably have several. Yeah, I, I, I have one in mind we'll talk about it off air we'll talk about it off air um you know we're 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 aware of you people looking to possess us <laughs> yeah though no, let me let me ask you let me ask you dear listener do you have a possession safe word and if not why not things you should have possession safe words a picture of you and your loved ones to pan to if one of you goes mysteriously missing and a fake name you know that you have at the ready these are the three things that you should have in case of emergency (laughs) by the time you're 25 you should have okay so Paige and leo go through the time door and Paige is in her old body and she's like oh my god braces and terrible bangs okay so did they just reuse all of the stuff from when prue became a teenager in that one seriously it's the same wig it's the same fake braces like they just reused the fake teen stuff okay Paige is like wanting to know why she's in her own body instead of a ghost since that's not the way it happens in not a christmas carol but scrooged because she's paid. She hasn't read the Dickens novel, but she's watched the Bill Murray movie. Anyway. She, yeah, she she's like, shouldn't I just... I, I pictured myself as a ghost just standing by the side making snarky comments. And Leo's like, nope, you have to live through everything. And it's going to happen. Like, you have some free... Like, you have free will. You can do whatever you want. But also, you need to let things play out. And she's like, then why do I... Why bother giving me free will? And he's like, I don't know. I just yell at the ghost. This is why I brought up Timequake. She is essentially living through the horror of that novel where she's trapped in the body, but she has to relive things the way they happen. She can't change anything. Except she does, like, she says different stuff. She does different stuff. Her parents die in legitimately a different car accident. Well, so it's actually the, what this is actually similar to is the far superior Doctor Who episode where it turns out that this is a fixed moment in time that can't be changed no matter how much Rose tries to prevent her own father from dying. So, yeah. There's also a really good issue of Booster Gold where uh, he tries to stop the Joker from shooting Barbara Gordon. Mm-hmm. And uh, and it turns out to be the DC equivalent of a fixed moment in time. Where... Time travel stories always have to have some equivalent of a fixed moment in time because otherwise... Why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you make your life better? So the way that you establish the way that you establish that I think is kind of an important part of establishing the rules of time travel. As the listeners know, I'm, I'm way into time travel stories. One of the things that bugs me about this is it doesn't establish that, right? It doesn't say, I mean, he says, oh, they were destined to die, so they died, right? That's not a good answer. It's not, it's not the J.J. Abrams verse, oh, the timeline heals itself, right? It, it goes back towards an equilibrium so that if you change things, they kind of drift back to the, 
to the center. It's not the Doctor Who thing where, like, you just physically can't do it. It's not, there's not a rule there. There's not a physics rule. It's just, eh. Yeah, this is a weird thing where to prove to Paige that it's not her fault that her parents died, Leo goes out of his way to essentially prove to her that they were destined to die no matter what she did, which... I think this is why I had the memory that it was a demon who did it, because otherwise, why? Why couldn't she prevent it? Yeah, also, I mean, I keep saying to be fair, to excuse bad writing, but to be fair to this show, this is an internally consistent thing. In the last season, the Angel of Destiny kidnaps Leo and holds him hostage because the Charmed Ones are destined to fight the ultimate power and they're not doing it actively enough for her so she's like that's not what destiny means <laughs> no destiny means that you are you ha you have to do a thing and if you don't the angel of destiny will hold your loved ones hostage until you do the thing it's also why phoebe had a premonition of uh, that you know her having a daughter in the future and then immediately banged every dude who looked like he had a functional dong to make her premonition come true uh Anyway, Paige is looking around her, uh, her, her, yeah, her teenage bedroom, which is filled with, like, music posters, and a, she's got a picture of Winona Ryder on her, on her mirror, and she's also got, like, she's got the Tiffany doll from the, uh, Chucky movies. I was gonna say she's got spooky horror stuff, like, skulls, and yes, the, the Bride of Chucky doll. She's got, like, this cut-out wolf mask on her wall. I mean, basically, she, um, this is, like, the... This is the goth teen dream bedroom. Like she was a she was cool, right? She was the cool kid that you would want to hang out with. I really appreciate the fact that she's bemoaning her lack of style as a teen and Leo's like, "Well, obviously, look at your room." And she's looking around her room and she's like, "You know what? I was actually a pretty cool teenager." I like that they they flip that around where they're just like, you know. Yeah. They're, she's like, "Wait, no. I was awesome." She also remembers her high school boyfriend and is like, can I bang him again? And Leo's like, no, absolutely not. Zero, zero, no. We are not getting into that moral quandary because what would that mean? Like. Okay, so Paige's dad opens the door and he's like, hey, Paige, are you ready for school? And Paige hugs him because, you know, it's her dead dad and she's sad about the vet that, you know. She hasn't been able to hug her dad since he died. And there's a weird thing with her parents in this episode where I know she's a rebellious teen. She's been acting out. She's been doing bad stuff. But her parents are really, really shitty to her for most of this episode. This is part of why I hate this episode. Like, okay, so she goes and she hugs her dad and she's like, dad, I love you. And he's like, are you smoking in here? Because I guess she was smoking. He sees the cigarettes on the windowsill. Well, he assumes that she did something wrong because she hugged him. And then he goes into the room and finds the cigarettes that she had apparently been smoking right before. Right. And then How she... are they not cloves? Come on. Right. Then she overhears her parents arguing and or not really arguing, but kind of bemoaning her. Smack talking her. Her dad's like, oh, she thought I wouldn't even notice that she was smoking. She's so terrible. How come How come she keeps saying that she's going to be good and then she's bad? We can't even believe her when she says she's going to be good now. 
She's cutting her classes. She's always going to those parties and passing out. Our daughter's just the worst person ever, and we hate her so much. It's like, Jesus Christ. You ever, you ever think about maybe taking her to see a therapist or something? Like, there's clearly something going on here. Right? Ugh. And then, and then poor, poor, poor Paige is like, oh, my parents hate me because I was an awful kid. This is like... This is such normal teen rebellion stuff. Oh my god, she's smoking and cutting classes? Has there ever been a worse teenager? God, poor Paige. I had a few teenage moments, I remember, and cringe. Oh god, yeah. But, like, it's not her fault. It's, I mean, she is, in the past, she's behaving badly. She's, and I don't want to backseat parent here. We are not the parents of a teenager. We are the parents of a toddler, which is similar but different (laughs) but like i feel like maybe there should be more support here and not this weird thing where her parents are constantly negging her for because she's like hi mom and dad and her mom's like oh suddenly i'm mom now okay this no this part really gutted me and it was one of the things that made me hate this plot yeah her mom's like last night you you told me i wasn't even your parent and she's like i was upset and i was saying what i knew would be the most hurtful, but I love you, and I, you know, I, I, I'm hurting, and I was trying to, like, express that, and her mom's like, ugh, I don't even want to hear it right now, like, this, your daughter is in pain, and she is reaching out to you. Yeah, like, her parents are so shitty here, like, I know dealing with teenagers is hard, but you are two adults who chose to be parents and have been raising this girl for her entire life if she is having issues you do not get to you don't get to sink down to her level she needs you to be an authority figure she's saying things that are hurting your feelings like you you can't be a petulant teen back to your petulant teen you need to be a pillar of support for them look i know no one is as vicious as a teenage girl i know that yes but you cannot have your feelings hurt by your child like you just you can't let yourself have your feelings hurt by your child like you just have to kind of go this is her exerting her independence this is her kind of exploring her boundaries and separating herself from us it's this is a this is a normal developmental stage this is developmentally appropriate you just i could could hear you working around the word healthy there oh no 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 i I, what i was actually trying the 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 phrase i was actually trying to think of was developmentally appropriate right this is developmentally appropriate and like you said we have we have a toddler not a teenager so you know check back with me in 10 years but we we are old parents or i'm an old parent you're younger than i am I am an old parent, and I am in my 40s, and I am in my 40s, and I still remember what it was like to be a teenager. Do these people not remember what it was like to be a teenager? It's hard. All of your emotions are dialed up to 11. It's it's a rough time. It is a rough, awkward, uncomfortable time. Not for everyone, but for a lot of people. I, yeah. For most people, like... Look, I would say, look, I would say it's a rough time for everyone compared to their own baseline. Yeah. But then some people's baseline is higher than others. So, back in the present, uh, Piper is 
kind of just futzing around the kitchen waiting for the plot to kick in. She's like, so I guess we're going to have a quiet one this week. Maybe I should like make dinner for Paige. We haven't had a sister's dinner, even though she's been living in the house for like five months. She asks if Paige will like pork roast because that's what she's cooking. Is Paige not a vegetarian? I guess not. Yeah, I, I thought she was, but I don't think that's actually rooted in anything, so. Anyway, this is the scene I was talking about where Phoebe is like, so am I naturally skinny or am I going to have to, like, watch what I eat? Like, do I go to the gym or am I am I just naturally hot? And Piper's like, Phoebe, you've always been naturally hot. You know that... I- you were, we are four years into this show. She's Piper. also like, why are you speaking like Blanche Dubois? Four years into this show, <laughs> Piper. Come on. I want to point out that we are halfway through this episode and we are just now starting the Phoebe Cole plot. And Cole shows up and is like, hi, my beautiful girlfriend. And Phoebe's like, oh my God, you are super hot. I cannot wait for you to be possessed by my dead boyfriend. Yeah. The other ghost jupes into Cole. And then they start banging right there in the kitchen up against the wall. And, I'm sorry, up against the fridge. And Piper's like... What the fuck? Piper's like, okay, whatever. I mean, she seems shocked at first, and then she's, she just turns around and goes right back to cooking. Well, then she she doesn't really get mad at them until they start, uh, like, clawing at and eating the bunt cake she was cooking. She's like, hey, that is for Paige! And they're like, okay, well, we were just hungry. Very hungry for food and sex. <laughs> I feel like Julian McMahon is benefiting from Melissa Milano's really bad Southern accent because you can really tell that he's an Australian pretending to be an American pretending to be a Southern American. Yes. Like, this is this is layers on layers on layers here. Okay, so... Honestly, one of my favorite things is when British actors try to do Southern accents. There's there's an episode of King of the Hill with Tim Curry uh-huh. where he, he plays a guy who's running a, uh, a Renaissance fair and he has uh, the fake British accent. Oh, know, fun. The fake British accent for the whole episode until his last couple of lines, which are in his real Texas accent. And let me tell you, There is something deeply, deeply delightful about Tim Curry trying to do a Texas accent. (laughs) Tim Curry is a very talented man in a lot of respects. Having an American accent is not one of those respects. Okay, I have watched all of King of the Hill, and I love Tim Curry, and I do not remember that. I'm going to have to go back and watch that tonight. It's the one where Hank gets really into it, because uh, there's the dragon that breathes fire that's powered by uh, propane. Yes, yes. And... and Peggy has the, like, wench rebellion. I remember those two things, yeah. Okay, so Phoebe and Cole, except now they're possessed, are all talking cutesy. And she's like, oh, Frankie, I'm so glad you're back. And he's like, oh, Lulu, I missed you having a physical body so that I could bang you. And Piper's like, what is with these stupid pet names all of a sudden? Jesus Christ, Piper. Let me tell you how low Charmed has set the bar for me. Cole's response is to yell at Piper for making fun of his girl's name. And he's like, yeah, because I am a ghost and I've possessed this body. And now I'm going to take it and we're going to go deal with our unfinished ghost business. And I legit expected Piper to be like, what's going on with Phoebe? (laughs) I don't care what kind of dumb role play you two have. Like, 
he literally had to hold your hand. Not literally, but... He literally he... had to hold a knife to her throat and explain the plot to her. Yeah, and then Phoebe conks Piper over the head with a frying pan and they leave. Back in the past... The second someone puts on an accent. Bam! <laughs> Come on. Back in the past, Paige is going through the shit in her locker because she remembers her, her code. She's going through the motions. I'm not singing the rest of the song. I barely sung that part of the song. But yeah, she's like, isn't it weird how I remember my locker combination even after all these years? And Leo's like, no. No, it's not. One of her friends, one of her high school friends comes up to her and is like, hey, remember how you said that we could get totally drunk on peppermint schnapps and nobody would know because it would just smell like a breath mint? Well, you were wrong. We got busted. And Paige is like, you know what? Your parents are being good parents and trying to set boundaries and maybe you should listen to them because they could die in a car accident tomorrow and then you'd be super sad. And she's like, that's way harsh, Ty. (laughs) You're just a virgin who can't drive. By the way, Leo's invisible. He's there with Paige, but he's invisible. So we get one of those things where, you know, she responds to something he said and the friend thinks it's about her. I I also love how little patience she has for her high school friend. She's like, oh, Monica, I don't want to deal with Monica. (laughs) Shut up, Monica. Okay, so then we cut to her in class and the teacher is just like droning on the most boring lecture ever. And then when she starts, you know, talking in class because Leo's there and she's got better things to do. He's like, am I boring you? And I'm like, yes, you are the worst teacher. This is not a good way to teach. Although he makes it clear that this is like a class of delinquents and he doesn't care about teaching because they're all just stuck in his class. Yeah, the friend makes a pithy little joke because he's like, am I boring you? And the friend's like, yes. And he's like, well, whatever. It's not like any of you are actually going to learn anything anyway. You're just a bunch of future felons and drug dealers that i'm you know sitting on until they're until you're not the state's problem anymore briefly right like he makes it very clear that he has no expectations for anyone and that's why he's not trying and Paige is like what am i doing here shouldn't i be spending as much time with my parents as i can before they die listen if you are an adult even if you are in the body of a teenager there is no way that you want to be hanging around high school Talking to you, all of the Collins. Yeah, I was about to say this is this is a Twilight thing. Yeah, it's a Twilight thing. I, I've been doing a lot of Twilight stuff on my Twitter last week, I think. I just, I really enjoy the concept that Edward doesn't understand geometry and he's going to take high school geometry until he understands it. <laughs> and it's been a hundred years. He can't figure it out. Why is it sometimes numbers and sometimes shapes? Well, how is it both at the same time? Why, why can't anyone get through to him? He died of the scarlet fever. Why can't anyone explain to him how geometry works? And all the rest of his family's just stuck in high school because he's insistent that he can't pretend to be a college student until he has this figured out. But this is my own completely... I've never read Twilight. I've seen a couple of the movies. This is just what I think Edward is like. I also imagine he's in a club with a bunch of other vampires who are really old men in young men bodies where they wear sweaters and eat soup. But, like, blood soup, because they're vampires. No, regular soup. I mean, maybe they put blood in it, but... No, they're, they're like, cosplaying old men, because they are old men in young man bodies. So Paige decides it's time to get out of there, and she just gets up out of her desk and walks away. But when she opens the door, like, a security guard, a school security guard... Just immediately tasers her. Yeah, it's... What is happening? 
in fact, she's even wearing like a mall security guard outfit, even though at a school, this would be a school resource officer. This like this doesn't make any sense. Uh, to be fair, the security officers in my school also had mall cop esque uniforms. Oh God. Okay. Anyway. Although I think they were an outside, like, I feel like they didn't work directly for the school. Like, they worked for the school, but they were hired from a security company. Oh, that's interesting. Ours were actually cops. And listen, having cops in the school is a huge problem. It's, like, worthy of its own tangent, but I don't feel, I don't feel, uh, properly equipped to go off on it. So I'm just going to say it's a huge problem and let people do their own research on that. Anyway. In the present, Piper has recovered and gone to the police station, and Daryl's like, okay, Frankie and Lulu, they were basically Bonnie and Clyde before yeah. Bonnie and Clyde. We're just doing a Bonnie and Clyde thing. They killed three people, uh, and then they were killed by the cops, and why are you asking me about them? They're and actually, okay, I know I said Bonnie and Clyde. We're actually doing a Natural Born Killers here, which was, of course, a Bonnie and Clyde riff itself, but... Piper calls them unnatural born killers is like a pun, but really shouldn't it be supernatural? Oh, sorry, go on. I was gonna say natural dead killers. Oh, right. Anyway, she, she figures that because they're ghosts, they must have unfinished business that she needs to go deal with. So they're gonna go to the last bank that they robbed. But and Daryl's just complaining and complaining. He's like. I don't see why I have to deal with ghost stuff. And, and Piper's like, shut up, Daryl. You know what your job is in this show. Come on. I mean, you have to deal with ghost stuff because they're going to kill people. And your job is theoretically to stop that from happening. I mean, I know it's not another can of worms. I don't have time to open. Anyway, we see them and they're not at a bank. They're at a jewelry store. They want to get an engagement ring. The biggest, gaudiest ring they have. I do, I, I do like that Lulu does a little Sherlock scan as they're entering. She, she's whispering under her breath to Blorvis or whoever. Frankie. Frankie. To Frankie, she's like, there's one security guard with a gun, and there's a kind of tough old lady looking old lady over there. Uh, but other than that, we're free and clear. And then when they're looking at the ring, Frankie calls over the security guard. He's like, hey, can you give me your opinion? You I was look like an ordinary Joe. I was just wondering, can I punch you and steal your gun? And then he does. And then they steal the ring. And listen, listen, you know what this is? You know what this is? You know what this is. What, what, what episode of television is this a riff on? School hard? No, a different Buffy. Oh, the one where she and Faith uh, break into that convenience store? No. I mean, not convenience store, that sports store, so that they can get crossbows. No, no, oh, that's great. No, the one where where Buffy and Angel get possessed by the... Oh, God, um, the, that song. Uh, I Only Have Eyes For You is the song, but yeah. that's not the name of the episode, because that's a different episode. No, oh, actually, no is that it, it is the name of that episode. Okay, because in that episode of Buffy, okay, the deal is... And I know we usually just assume our audience knows Buffy, but actually this is important. I want to go into it. Okay. In that episode of Buffy, the plot is there is a student who was having an affair with his teacher. He, back in the fifties, she broke up with him and he murdered her. And now their ghosts. Murdered her and then shot himself. Murdered her and then shot himself. Or hung himself. No, he shot himself. And now their ghosts possess various people in the school and reenact their last moments alive right 
And this is happening in season two, right after Buffy has slept with Angel and therefore and he becomes a demon, right? That's the whole thing in season two. Yeah, he loses his soul. He, I know Angelus was a later thing for Angel, but he becomes Angelus. Right. Well, I mean, that was the whole thing of the Buffy metaphor, which is much stronger in the early seasons, the high school is hell metaphor of Buffy, right? You, you sleep, sleep with, with a your guy. boyfriend, he becomes a demon. Exactly. Or monster. Yeah. So, I don't want to get into how maybe it normalized that as a concept for a generation of girls. Anyway, moving on. So, these ghosts are possessing people, and we know that eventually we're going to get to the point where it possesses Buffy and Angel, right? And throughout the whole episode, when we're talking about it, we're talking about Angel being the guy who killed his lover, right? Because that's what's happening now. Angel has become a demon and he's trying to kill Buffy or, you know, trying to get to the point of killing Buffy. But what actually happens when they're in the school alone and the possession happens is that it is Buffy who is possessed by the killer and Angel who is possessed by the victim because Buffy, without really being able to identify this in herself, is carrying this extraordinary amount of guilt because she believes that her actions, I mean, it's true, her actions are what caused Angel to lose his soul. In a, in a sense, her actions have killed Angel and now she is going to have to become a killer. And just, I mean, the metaphor works really well here because... Buffy didn't actually do anything wrong, and obviously obviously killing someone is wrong, but the fact that Angel is a vampire and a predator is kind of reflected in the fact that, yes, this was an adult woman raping a child, right? Mm. So, but when that switches, Buffy is able to kind of realize what's holding her what's holding her back from killing angel like she she hadn't been able to identify that guilt within herself until this moment and now she is now she's able to realize oh this is this is something that i need to address in myself and it's a story where i mean you groaned you groaned when i said the name of that episode but it actually moves that plot forward and it reveals something about the character that we did not previously know in this episode, Phoebe is possessed by a ghost, and the ghost is like, oh, this body wants to be engaged, but is afraid to say it. And Cole is possessed by a ghost, and he's like, oh, this body really wants to be out getting in the action again for some reason. Oh my god, what a fucking revelation! <laughs> yes, I do like that the ghosts are just stating the character motivation. You can't just say what the characters are feeling. That makes me feel angry. I, I, I do kind of love, I do kind of, she, she slides the ring on and she's like, this body would, I'm, I'm sorry, this body will never admit it, but she really wants to be married. And Cole's like, my <laughs> nipples are hard. This guy likes action. What was, what was that voice? <laughs> it was Alyssa Milano's Southern accent. My stars and garters, I'm a ghost or something. So, uh, see, now I'm trying to do someone else's bad Southern accent. So, at the scene, after after we've seen all this go down, Daryl is there with Piper. He brought Piper with him. And Piper freezes the scene. Daryl's like, you can't just freeze crime scenes. And Piper's like, watch me. That's the main thing I do at crime scenes. So. Other than am suspiciously in them a lot. Yes. 
And this is where I mentioned before, Piper's like, okay, we need to wipe down all of the fingerprints and we need to grab the security tapes so that this doesn't get pinned on Phoebe and Cole. And this is where Daryl's like, I'm a cop. I can't let you do that. And it's like, um, excuse me, Daryl. Yes, you are a cop, but theoretically, are you not interested in catching the people who actually committed the crime? And as a cop, do you not understand that the evidence that exists will lead people the wrong way because Phoebe and Cole are not actually the people who committed the crime? Piper doesn't mention any of that. What Piper says instead is, hey, isn't the guy who did this robbery the guy you released from prison like four hours ago? Isn't that going to look bad for you? And Daryl's like, okay, destroy the tapes. I'll wipe everything down. Yeah, right? He only cares when it's his own self-interest. Whatever. Which, fine. Whatever. I, just, I mean, it's ba- it would be bad in a cop in real life, but Daryl's a TV character. Who cares? Well, I mean, it annoys me that he is acting like he has an obligation to his investigative duties when he already knows the answer and he knows that the evidence won't point towards what the answer actually is. Like, that's... That's... He's he's t- it's you know what it is like it's lawful good right where he's tied to the process in a way that's making him ignore what the actual good is hmm. or perhaps lawful evil I don't know I'm never really clear on the difference between lawful good and lawful evil to tell you the truth so anyway there's they they wipe all the evidence so that there will be no consequences for this plot yes they destroy all the evidence and then uh, Piper unfreezes the room. And one of the cops comes up to Daryl and he's like, isn't it weird how during this robbery, instead of taking more than one piece of jewelry, they just took one ring and then left? Isn't that a weird thing for criminals to do? All they did was steal an engagement ring. Also, this same couple hit a bridal shop and stole a wedding dress. And, okay, I want to make fun of Piper being like, wait, what could their unfinished business possibly be? But I do I do like her line where she says, it's not criminal, it's matrimonial. And okay, here's, here's some more problems I have with the episode. Wow. <laughs> There's so many problems with this episode. Okay. Okay, here's the thing. Yes, they're criminals. They killed a bunch of people, whatever. Just let them get married. Just let them get married. Jesus Christ. Because here's the thing. We know that marriage is mystically important. Marriage is a sacrament. Marriage is a ritual. Marriage is a thing that means something. When Piper and Leo get married, the elders no longer have the ability to interfere because it is a ritual with actual consequences, okay? It's also really, really important to Cole's plot as the source of all evil that he marries Phoebe in the dark way. Because if he doesn't, then their child will be, I guess, genetically predisposed to good or whatever. Like, there is a huge deal about him needing to trick her into having a dark wedding. So we don't really know what the deal is with these ghosts. We don't get a lot of character development with them, as it were. But I kind of imagine that what's going on with these ghosts is that they're kind of trapped and they're resisting being reincarnated because... Or whatever. Or whatever. Because they love each other and they, and for some reason, them not being married, them not being mystically joined, will prevent them from moving on to whatever the next stage is as a couple. So they are just trying to get married so that they can 
be together in whatever the next phase is. Just let them get married. Who's it hurting? Not they didn't even kill that security guard. They just shot him in the leg. He's fine. Yeah, there was a line about him being fine. I guess so Cole wouldn't be responsible for someone's death, even though he was possessed. <laughs> oh, let's not even open that can of worms. Yes. So, not to Monday morning quarterback. Uh, isn't that what that's yeah, really yes that's the point of this podcast and all podcasts really but were i to be rewriting this episode mm-hmm. i would change it so that they were serial killing ghosts who body rode into couples they got those bodies married and then they went on shooting sprees like that was the thing and they just went until the bodies were killed and shoots at and shootouts with the police Hopped to new bodies, got those new bodies married, and so on and so forth. Okay. Why why would you keep the wedding thing in there? Because, like it or not, it is an important part of the episode. This is supposed to be Phoebe confronting her fear of marriage. And it would immediately link marriage to death. Oh, interesting. Okay, so if I was going to rewrite the episode, I would do the thing that I just said. <laughs> and I would let them get married! I, and I, I would have, I would have, I would have Phoebe and Cole, because, you know, they are non-consensually riding their bodies. I would have Phoebe and Cole kind of have to address that no matter what these people have done, like, they still deserve love. And... Oh, that is not the moral of Charmed at all. And then, and then deciding to allow them to use their bodies to complete the marriage, because then it lets them kind of deal with, wait, what does it mean? What does it mean that our bodies got married, but our souls didn't? And, like, what, what does that mean for our not engagement? I would go the opposite way as you. Anyway, in the past, Paige is at the principal's office getting yelled at for trying to walk out of class. And I don't know why she was willing to walk out of class, but she's also going to just sit here on the bench outside the principal's office. So Paige has made the decision that she's going to change time to stop her parents from dying because it's her fault that her parents died because if she hadn't been such a shitty kid, then her dad would have been paying attention better and not been struck by the car that was driving in the wrong lane. And Leo's like, no, destiny or whatever. And she's like, Yep, fuck that. I'm going to stop my parents from dying because I love them and I regret that my last words to them were something shitty and teen angsty. Leo says, Leo says, haven't you learned that this wasn't your fault? And she's like, no, have you been paying attention or were you just eating popcorn? And eating popcorn is a terrible, is a terrible or in that sentence page because when you imagine a person eating popcorn, you imagine them being engaged with the thing they're watching. And you're asking, was he not watching? Yeah. It was yeah. a terrible line. Also, what is Paige supposed to have learned? She had one conversation with her parents and then had to go to school. Right? Oh, uh, and then she, when she tells Leo that she's going to change the timeline, he's like, you just, you just want to break the rules because you're in a teenage body now, so you're remembering what it's like to break rules. What was the point of bringing her back, Leo? Just to torture her. That's what I'm saying. That's why I hate this plot line. Anyway, the principal tells her that she's expelled or suspended, I guess. And she's like, just for walking out of that class? And the principal's like, Paige, I know that you just came into this body two hours ago, but you remember, right? You've been doing shit for months. Yeah, you've been smoking. You were drinking. You and a bunch of your friends were, you know, bullying kids, and then you got possessed by hyena spirits, and you ate a pig and the last principal. 
Like, you've had a pretty rough go of it. And her parents are like, we don't love you, Paige. Now get in the car. And Paige is, like, trying to talk to her parents. She's like... She's like, I don't want you to be disappointed in me. I want you to know that I'm going to make something of myself and be a social worker and go to Berkeley because I have high test scores and write a really great essay about your deaths. I mean, just a great essay. And they're like, whatever, Paige. You're, we can't even deal with what a failure you are. Well, there's this weird flip that happens around now in the episode where they've been like, no matter what she says, they're like, we hate you, daughter. You suck and are terrible. We know that you'll never change. And she's like, no, but I am going to change. And then for some reason, this time it sticks. Well, basically, they're like, they're like, we know that you're manipulative. And so whenever you tell us that you're going to change, we just assume you're being manipulative. But then when she's like, I just hate that you think that I am a failure. And they're like, you're not a failure. Don't you, don't you know? We're just, we're just hard on you because we see your potential. Like, fuck you all. Oof. Fuck all of this. Oof. And... The, I, I get it, they're about to die, so they need to change it so par- Paige's parents don't look like the worst people ever. But, but it's so unearned. It's so unearned. Yeah, it's completely unearned. They just suddenly flip the switch and they're like, oh, okay, I guess we believe you now because the speech you gave this time is somehow different than the speech you gave at breakfast this morning. And her mom's like, we want to help you, Paige. We just don't know how. And it's like, well, maybe you don't dismiss her all day. When she's reaching out, and and Paige is like, hey, can we not go out tonight? And her dad's like, well, we still need to have a talk. And she's like, yeah, but like, can we not have a talk at a restaurant? You know, can we just have one at home? And he's like, okay, sure, whatever. And Paige is like, Whew, I guess no one's going to die in a car accident now. And leo blurps into he doesn't orb he's just kind of there whenever page doesn't page looks away and then when she looks back leo's there this is how he's uh operating mm-hmm. so while they're in the car discussing what they're gonna have for for food uh, you know they get hit by a car because she can't change the past yep car hits them anyway this car fucking explodes apparently <laughs> this car was also carrying the forbidden cargo like I don't think cars are supposed to that thoroughly blow up. <laughs> like, like it gets hit by a truck. It This looks like a really expensive thing. There's a very cool action shot of Paige orbing out of the car. And then the car <laughs> blows the fuck up. Okay, okay. Like, boom. Since you mentioned Leo, like, blinking in and out of existence... So he's on the, he's in the back seat on the driver's side, which is where they're going to get hit. They're going to get hit on the driver's side. And Paige is sitting on the passenger side. And he looks at her and he's like, you can't change the past. And then he disappears. He's not really there. He's a ghost. So presumably he disappeared solely so that Paige would have the full impact of the truck coming straight for her. What the hell, Leo? I mean, okay, maybe to be generous, maybe she wouldn't have orbed if it, it wasn't that. No, if she, if she didn't see it coming. She still would have orbed. No, oh, it was an instinctual thing. But... God. Anyway. So like... she's running to, you know, go try to pull her parents' smoldering corpses out of the giant ball of fire. And Leo tackles her and he's like, hey, shut up. They're dead. Dead. Gone forever. 
your parents are dead. Dead! And she says, rightly so, I think. Why did you bring me back here? <laughs> what was the point of any of this? Why did she have to relive, like, the worst day of her life? And he's like, I needed you to see it was their destiny. That no matter what you did, they would die. In which case, why were you hounding her all day? Well, also, he goes this weird thing where he's like, also, I wanted to prove to you that the magic was in you all along. That wasn't a con! That wasn't a, why are you talking about this? And she's like, that's how I see, that's how I survived the first time around. That's how I got out of the car originally. And it's like that, what? What? That has nothing to do with her blaming herself. Yeah. I mean, maybe that's, maybe that's why I made up the story in my head about the demon who was trying to test her powers, because then at least it would make sense. Although then it would actually be her fault in a way. Yes. And, uh, and Leo's like... See, it wasn't your fault after all. Your parents were destined to die. Don't you feel better, Paige? And Paige is all <laughs> sobbing on the ground. <laughs> like, <laughs> what? This is why I hate this episode. Like, why are they Why are they torturing Paige like this? This is so unnecessary. It's completely unnecessary. And Paige hugs Leo and Leo's like, Hey, buddy, do you want to maybe walk away from, you know... Where you can smell the smoldering corpses of your parents. Ugh. There's actually kind of a cool shot where an ambulance goes by and we follow the ambulance and it goes from being the ambulance in the past that's presumably going to the scene of the crash to one that's going by in present day San Francisco so that we can see Piper and Daryl going from chapel to chapel trying to find Lulu and Frankie. Hey, you know what this would be a good time for? What? Scrying. But whatever. So they're holding a priest hostage and forcing him. Phoebe and Cole, obviously. Or Lulu and Frankie, obviously. Not Daryl and Piper. But they're holding a priest hostage and they're making him perform the wedding rites. I guess it doesn't matter that it's not a state's thing, that they're not signing papers. Does not matter. Um, When they talk about how much the bodies clearly want to be getting married. Oh my god. Phoebe said, this one's quivering inside me. I only identify that line because that's going to be my exact moment of astral projection when we get there. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Anyway, yeah, they're trying to get married and then, oh, as long as we're spoiling things, the priest in this episode, the priest that they're holding at gunpoint, is not going to be a premonition. Mm-hmm. He's he. I mean, he's been in a few things, but whatever. He's not worth premonishing about. But I did want to say that his name is Truth Winter. Ooh. Is that a great name? That is a great name. Okay. So Piper and Daryl burst into the church. Piper freezes the priest so that the ghosts can't get married, I guess. But this doesn't cause Phoebe and Cole to freeze. And Piper's like, why didn't they freeze? And Phoebe's like, look, I know it's just my first day here, but I'm going to say, because I'm a ghost, like... I want to point out that's also not how ghosts work. Ghosts totally freeze. It was... That's how they got that ghost out of Aviva in the fourth Hollowell. Whatever. <laughs> like, ghosts cannot... Whatever. Yeah, I know. They're they're all different ghosts. All they, I guess this is a breed of ghost that doesn't freeze. I would have preferred it if the ghost in Cole's... But, oh, I guess this wouldn't, work, this wouldn't work then. But, uh... Daryl and Cole have a shootout. I would understand the ghost... I was gonna say I would understand the ghost in Phoebe's body not freezing because it's got a good witch shell around it. See, that's what I would think, too. 
Except, again, Aviva didn't freeze because she was a good witch, but the spirit possessing her did, and that's how they got it out. But... It seriously does not matter. Yeah, it doesn't matter. So, uh, Frankie tries to shoot uh, Daryl so that he can get married, and Daryl shoots him a bunch. Daryl like, just shoots him in the gut. Daryl's like, I have no choice. Bing, 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 bing. No, yeah, you're right. It's only once, and it's in the gut. Which is, by the way, still a fatal place to get shot. Yeah, well, I mean, there, a lot of places are... <laughs> Again, I know I reference it a lot, but that scene in the Brad Pitt, Julia Roberts movie, The Mexican, uh-huh. where they're trying to figure out where to shoot their hostage in a way where it's clear that they were holding him hostage, but he doesn't die. And Brad Pitt's like, I'll just shoot him in the leg. And the guy's like, I have a femoral artery yeah. there. I will bleed out in seconds. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, not just him. Everyone has right. a femoral artery there. <laughs> right. So Cole is going to die now, and the ghost leaves his body, and then the ghost leaves Phoebe's body, and it's like, don't worry, we'll find some other bodies later. And now Why Phoebe... Why doesn't she just stay in that body and they can find another dude? I think they have to be lovers. And re- I don't know. It doesn't matter. It doesn't... Because they're all... Max, because there are only five minutes left in the episode. Yeah. Piper calls Frankie. She's like, hey, asshole. Clyde. Clyde. Yeah, Clyde. She calls Clyde and she's like, hey, asshole, bring Leo back so that this douchebag doesn't bleed to death. Good thing that plot was already wrapped up. I don't care about Paige's stupid ghost therapy. So Leo comes back and is able to heal Cole, so everything's okay. Everything's hunky-dory. Except Paige is all crying on the floor, but whatever. Who cares about Paige? Yeah, no, heal Cole. Cole's the one that matters. Thanks, Leo. You're right. That whole thing would have just traumatized her more, right? Yes! Yes! Anyway, we knew that the ghosts came over with Clyde, and Clyde sees them and is like, Oh, you rascals. And then he throws them into the time door that he, or spirit door, I guess, that he uses to send people back in time. Doesn't that just send them back in time? I don't know how they managed to hitch a ride with him, because he's a time ghost, not a from the dead. What? Do you know what? Whatever. Doesn't Whatever. Matter. So, Piper's like, you gonna apologize for that, Clyde? And Clyde's like, no. Bye. You signed a waiver, bitch. <laughs> anyway, now that Cole's better, he's like, hey, Phoebe, do you want to marry me? Because you're wearing a wedding dress. And she's like, yeah, you know what? I do. You should propose to me again. Yeah, she's like, being possessed by horny criminal ghosts has made me lose my fear of marriage because i am not the type to ever take a husband but i i have i have changed and learned and grown and now i'm ready to get married to you or whatever yay i will say it's interesting that being possessed by these bonnie and clyde spirits made her decide that she does want to get married because she realized that what she wants is like a partner in crime and given what's going to happen with their marriage Mm -hmm. interesting interesting there's an episode of todd in the book of pure evil which is a show about these uh, four teenagers who are trying to fight a satanic book that uh, grants wishes, but like monkey paw style. Yeah, and there's a there's a nerdy kid who wants to be good at basketball, and you know the book finds him, gives him a spell, he casts it, and he becomes good at basketball by being possessed by a guy who was really good at basketball. Okay, sure, sure. Who is also a greaser? Oh no. Who? Uh, who the night of the big game drove his car off of a cliff with his best girl. Okay, see, that seems like stretching the monkey paw a bit far. I mean, it's the book of pure evil. Okay. Like, it, 
it's it's literally like for example the episode with the gay kid where he uses the book to turn everyone gay and it turns him straight yeah like the book's just a dick i guess is what you're getting at i mean it, it is literally the book of pure evil uh, yeah but, see, but that's not that's not evil that's dickishness yes so but uh anyway it uh the the guy has to find his girl like the the ghost basically sub possesses uh one of the girls in the group of teenagers who's hunting the book and makes her into his girlfriend uh-huh and then she realizes the whole thing's stupid and the kid just drives off the cliff by himself God. there's a lot of death in that show for a horror comedy oh yeah like there a lot of people get torn apart by crowds like the girl who wants friends and she gets possessed by this like fungus thing that attaches other people to her and makes them love her oh and then uh in the end like uh she ends up driving everyone off because she's being sick of surround being surrounded by people all the time and she gets ripped to shreds when everyone you know pulls away from her physically literally oh god yeah uh the the gay kid who wished everyone was gay also got torn to uh shreds but it to was shreds you say yeah it was by because the spell only worked on dudes and all of the uh all of the girls in the school were it's like that epi- it's like the horny episode. with rage or or rageful with horniness well they weren't horny for him they were all mad that their boyfriends wouldn't have sex with him so right. they tore him to shreds rageful rageful because of horniness yeah all right, so back at the manor... It's a funny show. It's just really bloody. <laughs> gotcha. So back at the manor, the sisters are all having dinner, and Paige makes a point to tell us that what looks like champagne is actually apple cider because she's in recovery. Mm. And Paige is like, well, I guess it's good that I know that my parents were destined to die, and it wasn't because I was being a dick, but I still wish that I could have talked to them again. And they're like, oh, well, you know, we could just summon ghosts, right? Bitch! Well, n- not we can summon ghosts. Okay. We asked Clyde for another favor, and he bodily brought your parents back so they can hug you. So I guess he can bring people forward in time. No, no, he doesn't bring them forward in time. He brings their ghosts from the ghost realm because they tell Paige that they've been watching her, like, her whole life. Oh. So. Wow, they've watched her bang a whole bunch of dudes. <laughs> I would feel awkward about, ghosts. about that. Yeah. Ghosts are always watching you bang. You just have to accept that. But, like done this from the start this should have just been the only thing you did this plot should have been an email but like also it robs the moment of its gravitas because again rose mcgown was acting the hell out of this episode it's you're correct it's not a particularly well-written episode but i believe rose mcgown at every point in this like i feel bad for Paige. i feel like Paige is going through an actual thing I don't like that she gets this catharsis. I don't like that it gets wrapped up this neatly. If the it, writing let her down. Like, if it had, it would have been a more downbeat thing, but if it had just ended with her being like, I know it's not my fault, but I still feel guilty, I think that would have been a stronger ending. Agreed. Instead of just, oh, your parents are here and you can hug them. We're going to do the ghost effect for like a second. And also they're like, by the way, we were watching you from the spirit realm. I guess you were okay enough with our deaths to accept it so that we can come back. Prue says, hey. 
I think that's the end of the episode. Yeah, this one was not great. I didn't have the issues with it you had, but it's not a it's not an all timer or anything. I mean, I clearly had a lot of feelings about this episode. And see, the thing is that parts that emotionally resonate still emotionally resonate. I still cried, but that just made me matter. Because mm. I was like, how dare you be making me feel when this is such a bullshit plot? Anyway, next week we're talking about Trial by Magic, and the description on Peacock is, Phoebe knows the defendant in a murder trial is innocent despite the evidence against him. Oh, I remember this. We're actually getting into the first few episodes of Charmed I ever saw, because I started watching it on TNT back when TNT was a thing. Like, I'd come home from school, and it would be on, and I'd watch it there. So, And these were the episodes that were running when I first started watching it, so... Yeah, this is, I think, one of the first episodes of Charmed I ever saw. Interesting. So, yeah, excited to talk about that. Much like the Charmed Ones, we have our own power of three. The first power in our pack is Premonition. Who in this episode is, was, or will become famous? I had no one. Okay, so actually, I have... The dad seemed a little familiar. Was the dad anyone... Okay, so I feel like you might know the dad specifically because of our own bad movie interest i don't know his whole deal first of all he's he's one of those guys who's on a lot of things yeah and i don't know his entire deal but let me just read you a few of his top movies on imdb so you can get an idea of what his deal is okay he was in a movie called he he played thomas jefferson in a movie called a more perfect union he was in a movie called how rare a possession the book of mormon he was in a movie called the search of historic Jesus? Not for, of. Okay. Oh, also, I do know one thing that I know for sure that you saw that he was in. Buffy. Uh, no, actually, he might have been in Buffy because he, he does a lot of one-shots, but that's not what I meant. What? He was in a little movie called The Adventures of Food Boy. Oh, <laughs> my. Oh. Wow. Yeah. That's a fun movie to watch if you're in the mood for a really, 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 really low-budget movie. I will say that's a good movie to watch in a certain state of mind. Yes. But Paige's mother was played by Lisa Dar, who was also one of the mothers in Popular, which is an early Ryan Murphy joint. So Popular is about, like... Two two girls in the school, right? The popular one and the, like, alternative one. And their parents get married and other stepsisters, right? And she was the mother of the alternative one. Yeah, it was a, uh... It was a send-up of high school shows that was also kind of a straight high school show. Which is Ryan Murphy's Jam, right? That's also what Glee was. Yeah. I remember one episode where they're, like, all being held hostage by someone who's, like dating the science teacher who reveals that he's been stalking all of them and like one of the popular girls had webbed toes i oh yeah i vaguely remember that that the show was not good it it was the sort of show that you would be really really into if you were counterculture enough to not like the oc but not counterculture enough to be interested in things that are actually counterculture yeah, well, it was, it was very much of its time, so. It was like a less good version of that Amanda Show sketch, Moody's Point. <laughs> wow, okay, that is quite a, that's quite a pull. Okay, so that's, that's what I have for Premonition. All right, I had nothing. 
Uh, that will bring us to our second segment, Time Freeze. Okay, it isn't fair because it's kind of a time travel episode. No, actually, I think it is fair, but continue. Okay, Paige, when they when they go back in time, Paige has a beeper, and she's like, what, Leo? It's the 90s, which is also my thing, because saying what decade it was was a huge thing in the 90s. Well, so it was only, they only went back in time eight years, so... Every single thing that they ha- that they see that's like, oh my gosh, this is eight years ago, can itself count as a time freeze. Mm. So yes, definitely the pager counts as a time freeze. The Tiffany doll. The Tiffany doll is a time freeze. Yeah, I... Basically, Paige's entire childhood bedroom is a time freeze. I also kind of feel like Paige talking about Scrooged is a little bit of a time freeze. Yeah, who remembers Scrooge? Well, no. I mean, everybody talks about Scrooged. Do they? Bill Murray. I feel like if you're talking uh, Christmas Carol adaptations. You're going to go with Muppets Christmas Carol? You're going to go with Muppets. I also feel like it's kind of a time freeze for Natural Born Killers to be a reference that you're making. Oh, God, yeah. I mean, Natural Born Killers is obviously a lot older than this episode, but I feel like this is the the last possible moment that you could reference it and have it be relevant. Do you remember in that one episode of Superstore where Amy makes a Limitless reference and Sharon's like, really? Limitless? Yes. Like, I, I feel like that was also a thing that was very relevant for, like, two years, and then you could not make a Limitless reference. I know they had the TV show, but come on. They st- I think it's still on. Really? They do. I'm not sure, but I think so. I'm not going to look it up. Yeah. But yes, Natural Born Killers. That was my, that was also my time freeze. I think that'll take us to our final segment telekinesis telekinesis what if anything genuinely moved you this episode i mean i hate it i hate it for moving me but Paige talking to her parents ghost at the end made me cry i can't lie wow mine is in the same vein but not that scene mine's the the bit with her first scene with both of her parents at breakfast where she's trying to tell them how much she loves them and how much she misses them and they're just stone cold rejecting her oh like it's a brutal scene, but I believe it's something that probably actually happens with a lot of kids who are going through difficulties. Like, Yeah, yeah. It felt uncomfortably real, and you could really feel Paige's pain. Yeah, I want to be clear, by the way, in the way that we've criticized Paige's parents, that I don't think it's unrealistic. I just hate it. Yeah, yeah. It's not unrealistic, and... I don't want anybody, I don't want anybody who's our listener who maybe dealt with similar things from their parents to be like, wait, but that's how my parents treated me. Why, why is this unrealistic? No, I do believe it's a thing. I just don't think it's right. And if, if that is you, then I want you to know that you didn't deserve it. And like, look, I know dealing with teenagers is hard. I have Whatever you sign up for that when you become a parent. Yeah. That, that was what I was leading up to there. Like you, if you are committed to having a child and raising that child, you need to be prepared. Mm-hmm. like even when they're on the cusp of being adults they're not adults yet and honestly your kids are never going to fully be adults around you yeah like you're always going to see them as kids and on some level and they're always going to revert at least a little bit around you i know i revert a little bit around my parents it's a natural thing yep oh don't forget our secret power Oh, yes. Which I've already I've already completely said it, but... Over time, our powers have evolved, much like the Charmed Ones, and one of our secret powers, although she is no longer here to provide it, but 
One of our secret powers is astral projection. What was so cringeworthy it made you want to physically leave your body? Oh my god, in that terrible southern accent when Phoebe's like, oh, this body's all a-quivering to be married. This body's all a-quivering to be married. Oh my god, it was so bad. Yeah. Yeah, like, I feel like, I feel like if you're going to be an actor... British and Southern are two accents you should have, not down, but competent. You should be able to do competent versions of those two accents. So my sister is an actress. Mm -hmm. She's well, she's a dancer first, but she, you know, she has her her MFA in in performance. And when she was in school, she had to take a class on accents, and. One of the accents that they really hammered people on was Cockney. Specifically because everybody can do kind of a bad Cockney accent and you need to be expected to do it properly. So everyone got hammered on Cockney accent. I think it's got to be the same with Southern Belle, right? You need to learn how to do it properly, Alyssa Milano. Anyway, I think that's it. Uh, yeah, that, that, that would be it. No levitation... I guess technically there was a, an explosion in that this is not how time travel or ghosts have worked in the past in Charmed. Uh, I feel like you can take molecular combustion as a given whenever an episode has ghosts or time travel or really anything that's been referenced previously more than once in this show. Well, so weirdly, even though I don't like the way they did it, I didn't really have a problem with that continuity-wise because it was like, hey, here's a guy we've never met before and we'll never see again, and apparently this is his special power. Actually, yeah, I, I guess I guess it works in the context of this guy having this one specific method of time travel. Yeah. That doesn't really need to gel with the other methods of time travel. I don't like his method of time travel, but it doesn't seem like it's out of continuity. All right, so I believe that'll about do it. I think that'll do it. Our show is partially listener-supported. If you want to be one of the supporters, head over to our website, www.welcometotelevision.net, and click on our Patreon link. We'd like to thank our current $5 and above patrons, Beryl, Patricia, Rosa, Ryan, Maricruz, Benjamin, Kate, Jen, and Dan. If you'd like to support the show in other ways, you could always rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. It helps other people find the show. If you want to talk about this episode or any episode or any episode of any television show, you can email us at ilovetelevisionzines at gmail.com or you can tweet at us at ilovetvzines. So until next time, I'm Max. And I'm Tina. And this has been Welcome to the Hallwell Manor.